Folks, PC Hunter back once again with the NWO Machine. Machine, how you doing today? Well, I'm still breathing, still kicking, still pounding the heart. Oh, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm almost thinking someone's got a voodoo doll out there at me. I'm thinking that, too. I, I have my suspicions, yeah. but uh, we won't reveal yeah, no, them yet. Don't, don't mention any names, because, damn, you don't want one to be made of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've got one out there, but it's not from the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put it away. Um, so yeah, we're we're back with our Mania Memories segment, and I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying these. Well, I'm having a blast with these. It's it kind of nice to go back and a little bit, not, you know, dissect as much as we seem to do in today's world. But, hey, you know what? We're not afraid to criticize the old now that we go back and look at it, right? So that's the cool part. We don't just bash, uh, and we don't always bash, but there's so many people out there bashing AEW. I'm one of them. Uh, you know, or, or bashing certain angles in WWE. I'm one of them. Uh, or praising some AEW. I'm one of them, and vice versa. So, yeah, we decided to go back and just watch some of the, the guys that maybe you didn't realize were that good. Yeah. And we're trying to bring it to light on that why we think they were so much better than they are today. I agree. And I, and I think the ones that we've picked, uh, aside from 18, have been kind of unique. We did, we've done 7 and 8 so far. And then 18, which as of uh, recording, hasn't been released yet, but that'll be released soon. And the one we're, we're going to pick today is one I don't know if anybody ever... <laughs> wants to go back and look at this one because it's not one of the most popular WrestleManias, but we're going to talk about WrestleMania 11. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the trick with this one, I think is, yeah, I think the matches we're going to give you tonight on this episode are the ones you should go back and watch. Yes, that's right. Because, um, Surprisingly, this card did have a few good matches that I think people have glossed over over the years. I mean, the two that we originally intended on setting out talking about, I think people recognize them as decent matches. We we were going to touch on Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett, and we were going to touch on Shawn Michaels and Diesel. But we also thought we'd skim over a couple more as well because there's some sleepers in this as well as a couple of stinkers, so we won't focus on those, but... Uh, before we get into it, I just wanted to get your get your take on how you felt uh, this mania came off, the feeling for it. Like, for instance, like for me, I felt number one Hartford was a really strange WrestleMania site. I get why WWE did it because that's near Stanford, their home turf, but it just felt weird. It felt like a Saturday night's main event as opposed to a WrestleMania, if you ask me. But what was your yeah, feeling? What was your feeling on this one? Yeah, I think if you know, watching through it, I, I think they mentioned uh, Hartford, Connecticut, more often than they mentioned more places. So maybe we're trying to, you know, promote. Uh, hey, this is why we're here, right? We're here for you guys, and maybe it was a little bit of Hartford, Connecticut. Maybe they had complained that hey, you guys live right here in our backyard, and we've never had a mania here. And, and I think it was a pretty short mania, to be honest with you. It, it didn't yes. seem to go on for, for a long time. Yes, it was under three uh, hours, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we're going to go into uh, this, is, this is a mania that I think was 
the perfect amount of celebrities. And uh, yeah. what I mean was, they didn't have... See, back in those days, they let be celebs, right? They weren't necessarily part of angles, except, except, well, we'll get there, is Lawrence Taylor. But, right. I mean, they, they had Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He was the guest ring, whatever he was. And they were perfect for a kid, right? Um, we had... Uh, Pamela Anderson, who came out with uh, with Diesel, there was an angle where Shawn Michaels had lost her. Uh, I, again, the name escapes me. Who was a ring announcer for that particular match? But, Nicholas Turturro. Yeah, they, yeah, so yeah, so I, I think they did. They they knew their role and they played it well back in the day. And they weren't all wrestlers, yes. right? They, they weren't supposed to be. They were the celebrities. They're there for a reason. Yes, and they weren't involved in the matches. They were outside no. of the matches, which yeah. is my preference for the celebrities. Although, like I say, this year, Jake Paul, of course, he did, fan- or sorry, Logan Paul, did fantastic. But he's a bit of an anomaly compared to the rest. I, I didn't have yeah. a problem with yeah. him being involved, but I did have a problem with Johnny Knoxville or Bad Bunny or any of those people beating the crap out of uh, grown men. Well, I... Anybody, I'm going to say that again. Yeah, well, Paul for sure was a was a shocker. Um, even uh, he sort of took me by surprise. But then they called us that he's been training since 2007. So okay, I forgive him on that. Then I I gave him props, even though I'm not a big fan. But the Johnny Knoxville thing, I would almost accept, uh, not as a wrestler, but that he would beat up on um, <laughs> Sami Zayn. And it, only because, I mean, as Jackass, he's taken probably more legit beatings than anybody in the ring. So <laughs> Taken, and he's not gimmicky, given. <laughs> right? Yeah, and he's gimmicky, and he's funny, and he can, like, I mean, even with Butterbean, you know, really legit punched the shit out of him. So uh, he's taken those. So, I, I, again, I, as much as, you know, Knoxville was the, you know, the Joker, the Jester, uh, I, I accepted him, and, and it's funny because Sammy seems to make those kind of guys shine, man. Like mm-hmm. he really does. Uh, I'm with you on Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny should have just stayed into rap, and that's the end of it. It makes no sense to me. But let's get to WrestleMania 11. Sure. Well, I'm going to lead off by saying right away the thing, the one thing that drove me crazy, and I remember it drove me crazy back when I first watched this, was the amount of reporters at ringside, the cameramen. Uh, yeah. just, just surrounding the ring. I, I don't know what they were going for. I, I guess they were trying to open the door up to letting some mainstream, uh, wrestling magazines in, but honestly, it was a distraction and it obviously affected some of the matches. I mean, at one point it, we'll talk about in the main event, but Shawn Michaels, uh, gets pretty pissed off with a couple of them. <laughs> so yeah. That, yeah. that was just weird. I'm glad it was the only time that they did that. I mean, Yes, uh, back in the mid '80s, the you know '84, '85, you know when you go to MSG, you'd see the entire ringside was crowded with people, but guys weren't going outside of the ring as much back then, you know. They, yeah. they, but now it really had an effect on on some of the moves, especially for Michaels when he, where he likes to do different planches over the top rope and dive over the top rope. So yeah, that was one of the things that just drove me nuts. Now on a well, oh, go ahead. Why don't we just since you're already chirping into the Michaels match, why don't we just stay with that one? Sure, yeah, we can. I was going to say just before that, one of the <laughs> things that I am happy about, though, was getting uh, Vincent Heel King on commentary. 
that was a nice oh yeah yeah that was nice to see but uh yeah so uh sean and diesel yeah i'm just gonna say this up front um this should have been the main event it's your world title um yes lawrence taylor did pull off much better than people expected but quite honestly that did not feel like the main event i i especially the way they ended the match with uh sean and diesel with Diesel celebrating with all the celebrities in the ring. That should have been your end of your of your event right there, uh, with that picture being what they show on all mainstream media. So I was kind of surprised that they had LT and Bam Bam finish off because they were taking their chance, not knowing for sure if LT was going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain. What What are your thoughts on that? Um. Yeah. Yes and no. Maybe. Uh, I, maybe because where they were, I mean, football's pretty big, and uh, in that sort of uh, surrounding area, um, maybe they really wanted to. I, I don't remember the exact angle constantly leading up to, but it might have had more, you know, meaning in Connecticut in that area. I, I don't know where Lawrence Taylor's from exactly now that we're bringing this up, but maybe he's from that surrounding area. Or I don't know. You had the Reggie Whites. You had all those guys around the ring, but. Um, I could agree. I could agree that, you know, dancing around with Pamela Anderson and, uh, is probably a better ending, uh, mm-hmm. for, for that particular match. I want to go back to the photographers. Uh, yeah. So if you hadn't seen the match, it's kind of interesting to pay attention to Michaels and the, and Diesel actually getting outside the ring and getting annoyed with some of the camera people who are around there. I'm going to assume that nobody really, they probably didn't really go to the camera to just, you know, stay on the outskirts rather than around the skirt, right? Right. Um, one, one camera guy, yeah, Michael's obviously fell on top of him, which could have really hurt uh, and injured two people uh, by accident, Michael's and the cameraman, and he, he sort of dragged the guy back. But you never know. Vince is a... Mm, how should we say sometimes can be vindictive mm. and he might have been looking at some of those reporters who may not necessarily have been wrestling reporters as people who touted wrestling as fake mm-hmm. right um so you never know again we never know what's a work and what's not sometime but maybe it was to teach one or two of them a lesson like hey when you see the guy in the green shirt fucking land on him mm-hmm. you know Give him a little extra so he knows the landings are real, right? You never know with Vince. Um, so it, it was a slight distraction, but at the same time, I, I don't know. If you're getting distracted watching TV and and you're not watching the match, that's your problem. Well, okay. it, it, it was more I felt the frustration for the wrestlers, I guess, was the thing, right? Uh, how they yeah. were kind of getting in the way of moves. At one point, I mean, Sean, uh, when he was going to ram Diesel into the the ring post, he had to like literally push the guy out of the way, uh, you know. And you can see his frustration with it. It's like you know, work with me here, that type of thing. Yeah. But I gotta say about this match, and I know you've talked about it before. You're not a big Diesel Kevin Nash fan as far as um, his abilities. Is more like he was lucky to be in the crowd that he was in. And in this match, I'll be honest with you, I'm agreeing with you on this one. Sean was a human Super Bowl in there. <laughs> I oh, mean, his, he, was, he was amazing. His speed and bumping was insane. Yeah. It, it was just insane. Like, literally, is a human Super Bowl. And, I mean, this is probably my favorite era of Sean, the cocky. And, 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 by the way, 
in amazing shape too. Like he was yeah. just yeah. jacked at this point. Oh, but, speaking of jacked, Diesel was jacked. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He he was definitely having his carrot juice. And then you also had another Jack guy, Sid, at ringside with him too. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about grown men? You know, well there you go. But I mean, Sean, to me, he had his own match, and Diesel was just there as a landing pad and and uh, <laughs> a, a base to bounce off of. If you ask me, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you want to fast forward just a little bit and have a a, a sort of a laugh, that basically this match was Kenny Omega and the blow-up doll. <laughs> yeah. And Shawn Michaels was the Kenny Omega, obviously. <laughs> Shawn yeah. Michaels was Kenny Omega and the blow-up doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like uh, Again, this really showed, you know, in my mind, that this particular match showed... And anyone else should watch it who's a big Kevin Nash fan and just realize he really was only a three-move wonder in, in reality. However, going back to a lot of things I've always said, uh, a guy of that stature, that big, it works. Yes, you have to go it, with it, him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works with the four moves. But if every match is, and I know he, he just didn't, even in there, if you look at it, of the two guys, and Shawn Michaels has all the charisma in that match. Like, oh, yeah. Diesel had zero charisma. He really, Nash had nothing. And if I'm going to push even and what Diesel was doing, but Diesel is such a big presence. And again, there's only so many times I could watch him go into the ropes trying to give the elbow and missing. But Shawn made it magical. Yep. Yeah, he did. I mean... <laughs> Again, I, I got to give Sean props for this. He was heel too, and he so he's yeah. again, he's working his ass off, selling like crazy, and yet he managed to keep the fans from not completely turning on Diesel and cheering him, which is saying a lot as well. I, I say of Diesel and, and Nash at, at this point in time, you could almost see Nash the wheels turning in his head, trying to go through the motions, trying to, it was almost like he wasn't comfortable at this point. Uh, he certainly got better as the years went on, but, and to be in the ring with a guy like Shawn Michaels going at the speed he was, that isn't the right mindset to be in. <laughs> you can't be thinking about the next move. Yeah. You got to be doing the next move with, with Michaels. So, but full props. I mean, Shawn was amazing in this match and I highly, although not the greatest Michaels match, I highly suggest everybody go check it out just to see peak Shawn Michaels just doing his thing. And everybody goes yeah. goes on about Michaels and what an amazing second act he had, and he did have an amazing second act. But I think they forget how good he was in his first act as well. Yeah, I, I totally uh, I concur. you got to get, if anything, just, you know, I don't know how people watch it. I have a DVD uh, compilation that I just you know yank out a couple DVDs once in a while and and uh, and just peg off a match one you know you don't have to watch the entire WrestleMania but if there is I would say if there's one match that's a must in WrestleMania 11 that's it yep. like that's a that's a must watch for sure that's number one uh, get into the chapter list and and just take that one because it's completely entertaining it really. And again, the guy entertaining me is Michaels. I mean, his, we all know how his back was 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you watch that match, he's still up and down those ropes like crazy and, and like you say, bumping. He just made Diesel look, he made Diesel look like a champion. He did, yeah. He you really know? did. He really did. And then it was so good that I ended up, uh, Machine, watching the following Monday Night Raw because I wanted to see the follow-up afterwards as I knew what was going to happen. That's, of course, when Sid turned on Sean. Yeah, um, yeah. But just even in that, it was just... That's how good he was in that match that I wanted to go back and watch the next Raw. So, I mean, yeah, must-see TV is what I'll call this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely a must-go back. So we're also going to touch on uh, Razor and Jarrett, but before we do, you had originally, you had mentioned an interesting match to touch on and that nobody would ever think of. It was the, the Blue Brothers, better known as Ron and Don Harris or... Skull and Eight Ball when they were in the uh, Disciples of Apocalypse, but yeah, um, against uh, Luger and and Davy Boy Smith, I forget what they were called at that time. They were the, oh, geez, I, anyways, they, they were the Allied Powers, I think, is what they were called. And this was a quick match. I think it was maybe seven minutes long. But we wanted to touch on just you've got <laughs> a whole lot of beef in that ring that's moving around like guys can today, and at that time. This was a transition period away from the lumbering guys like, say, Kevin Nash was doing in that match to the big men that can move. And you want to touch on the the Blues as far as what they did in that match? Well, the Blues were just, they were monstrous. Yes. And just, again, we weren't fans of Jacob and Eli Blue. I don't think anybody tuned into this WrestleMania going, oh, I can't wait to see them, right? Right. Uh, but it's just, if you look at, and I don't want to even call them this, but for lack of a better term right now, let's just say they were jobbers of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they weren't, uh, necessarily just jobbers, but let's just pretend they were, they were amazing. Like for big men, you just don't see big men moving the way those guys did, like tall, like tall, tall guys too, right? Yes. And, uh, and the same thing with, uh, uh, sorry, a Bulldog, right? Yep. Um, and, speaking of uh, carrot, speaking of carrot juice, Bulldog, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen Bulldog that big in my life. Yeah, yeah, this was the jacked era, oh, right? Yeah. This was definitely the jacked era, and um, they were, they were good, man. I, I think, personally, I've said this before, even on, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Davy Boy. I never was a fan of Davy Boy. Uh, yeah, he may have, you know, uh, again, he, he made Wembley with Brett, right? He, he drew in the crowd. But, again, I was never just a big Davy Boy fan, but the Blues Brothers made him look good, mm. right? Yeah, he's got the big power slam. He can. He's strong. Like there was no denying him and Luger were powerful, powerful human beings. But the Blues Brothers really impressed me. Now that I'm older mm-hmm. and can appreciate things or look back and go, "Wow, you know," as a kid, I knew what I hated, and that was them. Yep. Right? <laughs> and that's their job. Yeah, and shit, man, they did such a good job. You just want them pounded. Yeah. Right. And, and I, when I do watch these manias. I do try to pretend it's not that big of a actual uh, stretch. I do pretend I'm a very immature child uh, <laughs> watching it. And if you can go back and, you know, watch it as a kid again, 
you'll really, uh, you know, what I mean by that is just pretend you're sitting in your living room, the pay-per-view is on, and you're excited to see it again. But at the same time, keep in mind your adult head and go, holy crap, these guys were unbelievable. Yes. Yep. I mean, they. Um, one of them, obviously they're twins, so it's hard to tell, but one of them took a, a, a bump on a second rope elbow drop that I was impressed. I mean, he went full force off the second rope, did a, did a big elbow drop, obviously missed who he was going after, but these guys were athletic. They were big and athletic. Yeah. And let's not even forget, they had Dutch Mantel with them, who was one of the best booking minds that, that you could have. It's, it, that This era of WWE kind of gets um, crapped on, but they had a lot of pieces there. I mean, you had Jim Cornette around as well, but it just didn't seem to flow. But I, I take this this match was – it was just a good big Haas match is what I'll call it. Yeah, 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 just big, big guys. Uh, and if you don't think big men can wrestle, watch that match. Yep. And and you'll be and if you don't think big men can do or keep you entertained, like the scrawny boys of you know a certain other promotion, watch that match. Yeah, these guys can do almost anything. I, I as a matter of fact, I would love to take some of the guys you know from this particular era we're talking about and put them against some of these high flying you know uh, ballet boys. And you wouldn't want to watch the ballet anymore. Yeah, yeah. You, you would. You would want to watch the big guys do their thing. Yeah, it's it, it, it's true. And I mean, uh, we won't belabor this match, but it, it's 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 a. I think people need to take a look at it with a second set of eyes and and give it the credit it gives because it was a decent opening match for WrestleMania. Um, another one. Speaking of big guys that can move, that I, I wanted to touch on. I know you didn't get a chance to, to watch this one again, but I'll just briefly talk about um, Owen Hart and Yokozuna against the guns, the smoking guns. And yeah. again, you want to talk about the difference in today's product versus the product of the past. Of course, Billy Gunn wasn't badass Billy Gunn at this point, so he, he didn't quite have the body that he had over the next couple of years, which... Let's just talk about the tremendous body transformation that Billy had over yeah. those next couple of years. Well, he's like Michaels, right? Yeah. He just totally transformed. Yeah. Although Bert looked fantastic. I mean, that guy was always a big dude. Um, but Billy, if you look at Billy Gunn now, when he's in AEW, he dwarfs the entire ro- roster, right? Yeah. In that ring with Bert Gunn, with Yokozuna, and even with Owen Hart, who didn't look small in there, um, he did not dwarf anybody. He wasn't looking like this gigantic guy. So it just goes to show how big these dudes were back then. I mean, Billy Gunn yeah. is, what, a legit 6'5", if I'm not mistaken? Or yeah. Just in- yeah, and, and let's just say this, that as big as they were, like, athletic not that's, just big, but it, athletic big. That's exactly what I wrote down. Billy is so athletic. I mean, he did um, he did a standing famouser where Bart was holding him up about shoulder level and got the leg over top of Owen's head to do the famouser. It was just just the hops on him and, and the, the moves. I mean, so athletic. And even Yoko, insanely athletic for his size. He was pushing 600 pounds at this point, and yeah. he could still do what he could do. And and then of course Owen, God, 
God, Owen Hart was so great. He was such a great heel. Just so good. Just even at the end when they won the titles, his celebration was fantastic, right? He just sneaks under Yoko's arm and raising the arms up. And and Yoko does all the work, basically crushes Billy's chest. And then he goes in and is about to put the sharpshooter on. He's like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to pin him. Gets the pin. Celebrates like he just did all the work. It's just... Again, these people were just so good, so talented. I mean, uh, it would have been amazing to see if Owen was still around today, what he would have brought to the wrestling world, uh, probably from like the mindset and the coaching and that kind of stuff. I, I, I'd often, I'd almost bet the way he was because he was younger than Brett. Uh, I think we might even still see him. Uh, you know, almost like some of the, like a Billy Gunn. I, I truly believe that a guy like that, you know, barring injury, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that you that you get through. I mean, I think we could have seen a lot more Bret Hart, obviously, uh, had it not been the concussion. But, yeah, I think Owen would have brought a lot. Uh, I think Owen probably could have been the guy at NXT at right. this point, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's maybe where I could push him. Uh, showing the new guys uh, some just the way to act or whatever they may be doing down there. I don't know what they're doing lately, but right, yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think he could have been a very good role model for the up and comers. Yeah, could you imagine uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Owens' minds, or maybe even Brett, all of them, their yeah. minds working on that product? It would just be yeah, insane. It, you know, and that that's a good point. You could have had you literally could have had the Hart brothers teaching everything Matt skills mm-hmm. like their dad did, right? Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, uh, like Triple H, uh, I don't know what the hell you would teach, but anyway, you could have, uh, and Michael's teaching more of the high-flying comedy, mm-hmm. yeah, right? And uh, Triple H, I, I don't know what he would teach, but, I mean, he, to me, Triple H had really good Mike skills. Uh, you know, he, he's he a, might stu- do he's a student of the game, too, Triple H. Yeah, he, he would just be all over because he's so good with, Everything, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not downplaying mm-hmm. Triple H. I just mean I don't know where I'd put him in that category. Just yeah. maybe the overseer, right? Yeah. Like, hey, Triple H, here's what we've done with these guys. Let's, you know, give us our opinion. Finishing, finishing school, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because again, I'd love for people to go back and watch that, and it, because it's a great example with Billy in there. Go take a look at Billy got an AEW right now. Take a look at how big he looks, and then watch him in that match. And then you'll see yeah. how gigantic these guys were and still moving just as fast as people do today. So really impressive. Yeah. So uh, aside from that, <laughs> we also probably had two of the worst matches of two, two of my favorites of all time, Undertaker and, and uh, Bret Hart, because we had Taker versus King Kong Bundy. And I love King Kong Bundy, but this was – as we talked about off air, this was not the King Kong Bundy of old. This was a 1995 King Kong Bundy, and it just it just wasn't working. Um, and then, yeah. of course, you had Bret Hart and Bob Backlund in an I Quit match, which even Bret says is one of his least favorite matches of all time, and it's one of mine too. And not only that, the match wasn't even as horrible as I remember it being, but what was really annoying was Roddy Piper. In the match, he was, if you remember, he was a referee and he was a guy with the microphone going and asking if they quit. And I mean, he was, he was overacting beyond belief. He was, again, I, I always argue the third man in the ring should not be getting the attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Enter Aubrey from AEW ref. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
But anyways, we won't touch on those. It, it just so you can fast forward through those matches, folks, and you're going to end up with a half decent WrestleMania. Wrestling with the Truth podcast brought to you by Mark's Wrestling Masks. You want to look like a champ or you want to look like a chump, he's got your ugly mug covered. Check him out on Facebook, Mark's Wrestling Masks. That's M-A-R-C, apostrophe S, Wrestling Masks. Wrestling with the Truth podcast, sponsored by KEG Handmade. Check them out on Facebook, ready to ship stainless steel coffee mugs, any design, anytime, anywhere. Hey, this chica, she made me a custom toothpick holder. That's right, so check them out on Facebook at KEG Handmade. But let's go to our, our last match that we wanted to talk about. Again, your good buddy, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon against That's Jeff Jarrett. That's not the last match. we still got one more yet. Oh, which oh yes, yeah, sorry. My bad, my bad, yeah, the main I'll event. I'll let you pick what you want to go with. Well, let's go with let's go with uh, Razor and and, um, and uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, your, okay. good, your good buddy, Razor, and my good buddy, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff Jarrett and his Suzanne Summers blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm still envious of his locks to this day. But uh, I would just say, if there's a match, um, again, right at, we were talking about photographers surrounding the ring, and this is where I noticed that uh, the photographers again should have just been told to stay clear of, you know, the entrance ramp way. And, yes. and, and, and the first thing I noticed, that's the only time I really noticed the. Uh, photographers was uh razor comes out uh takes his vest off pre-entering the ring and runs with one two three kid who's dressed in his japanese pajamas into the (laughs) ring now they run into reporters they didn't know where to go these photographers didn't know where to go because these wrestlers were on top of them so uh, i think that somewhat spoiled you know the uh the flash start that they had planned Mm -hmm. and you know that took away from a little bit and you could almost see you know scott was like you know he looked a little angry like pissy that shit man get out of the way like yeah uh, so that was it with the, that beginning and i've said it before i said it again nobody threw a punch like scott yeah. and the opening three punches on jeff jared you really have to look you really have to pay attention to the leg slap to see it mm-hmm uh, otherwise, it looks like he's connecting on every single shot. And uh, the same thing I noticed, again, I don't know why I noticed it with Scott with this time, but Jeff Jarrett's waiting at the ropes, and Scott just barrels into him and clotheslines him over. But the clothesline looks so good. Oh, yeah. You, you don't even notice Jeff Jarrett helping him get over. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like Jarrett, yeah, he has to jump backwards to go, but you don't see it. It totally looks like Scott did it to him. Hall had a bit of a snap in his clothesline. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he almost, he, he was JBL light. Mm-hmm. He was throwing almost right like a punch. His, yeah, mm-hmm. but his punches were were just uh, amazing. And I know Double J, Jeff Jarrett, I, <laughs> I always got a kick of his blinking sunglasses and hat. And uh, I didn't even mind that character so much. I did like him in the NWO. I'm one of the few. But Jeff Jarrett could wrestle. 
I, I think he gets a bad rap a lot of the times, and I think part of that's because, oh, daddy owned, right? Uh, and anyway, everybody, but he worked to get where he was, and I, and I think he was a, he was a good wrestler. He sold well. Um, they had a couple spots that I, I really liked that looked like they'd be repeat spots where uh, J Double J runs into the corner to slingshot back and Scott and Scott stops and Double J falls. And then they try to get later, and this time Scott does the drop on the mat. It's just, it's just brilliance. Like it's, they sold everything right in my books, yeah. anyway. And of course, we see Rhodey, who eventually turns obviously into the Road Dog. Uh, Scott gives him a, I think he runs him into the turnbuckle at one time, and the comedic sell mm-hmm. by, by for what I would say would be the secondary character. Unbelievable! Like he did a timber. You don't see guys like that now. Yeah, he did a timber on on that when he went off yeah. the apron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, that's what I took from there so far. And and you're and well, I know you you and I both kind of chatted about uh, we weren't fans of didn't even mind Double J's outfit in the end. And, and you and I talked about how we first hated, and then I told you someone at the time pointed out that because he was a country music guy. They looked at the front of his outfit with those five, there were five, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, stripes, or they look like weird suspenders, but the guitar has five strings. Well, the guitar has six strings, actually, but <laughs> who's counting? Well, I don't know, then I got a bad guitar. <laughs> but he looked at it as guitar strings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and ever since he told me that back in the day, I, I was like, okay, I can accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, yeah, he, I always looked at it as that, and I was fine with it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, here's where maybe I'll disagree a little bit on this match, but it, it's not with, with Hall. Um, we have to get to I'm glad you mentioned the, the silk pajamas that X-Pac had on or Waltman at the time. Because I was yeah. like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is he wearing? And then one thing I noticed, the intensity that Razor had in that interview uh, pre-match, um he didn't even say anything. It was it was uh, Waltman that was doing the talking, but Razor's just like, "Come on, man, let's just go!" Right? <laughs> like you could tell yeah. because he got screwed at uh, at uh, Royal Rumble. He just wanted to fight this guy, which we don't see that too much anymore. It's like just people go in the ring and they're they're just like, "Oh, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just do a typical lockup, even though I hate your guts, you know." <laughs> and then, yeah. but you you said it. There was the jump off the gun, even though the reporters got in the way and and blocked. Ra- it, Waltman got in, but Razor got tied up with one of the guys, so that threw the timing off on that. And one that was one thing I found about the match is I felt like the timing felt a little bit, or not even the time, the chemistry between them seemed a bit off, and I don't know what it was, but. Um, Razor himself in that match, the punches, as you say, fantastic. His selling for a big man is fantastic. You can't, I always said about Scott Hall, you forgot that he was 6'7", the way he sold, but he didn't sell, he wasn't selling that he looked weak. He just knew how to sell for his size. It was really impressive. And uh, and then that's that's what he did here. Um, We talked about this in, in a previous episode where we talked about the way guys attack the turnbuckle Bret Hart being famous for that Scott Hall at one point was whipped into the turnbuckle and he attacked the turnbuckle I mean he moved the ring when he went into it which you you know again that's it's the little things you know um 
And then, of course, Road Dog. I agree, he was great in this match. And I mean, you could see the future that was ahead for him. And again, another guy that's deceivingly big. He is super tall. I mean, he he's lanky, but he's tall. And uh, at the end, when when uh, both Road Dog and Waltman get involved, my God, Waltman took Road Dog's head off with that spinning back oh, yeah. kick. Yeah. Holy Christ! Did he ever hit him with uh, that? If no, if I recall, and I don't know when it happened, but that spin kick might have cost Jeff Jarrett his nose too. It did. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, again, just uh, on it. And I mean, I'm not going to take away from one, two, three kid there, but he was fast. Holy God! Was right? ever. Yeah. Yeah, and if you weren't ready for it to put a hand up or whatever, you were going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what happened in the match. And, and I even think. With Jeff Jarrett having the bloody nose, do you remember he goes back into the ring? Yeah, I think he gave one, two, three kid a good potato there. He did. It, that's what. I, that's yeah. one of the things I noticed. He's like, oh, that was interesting. And then Scott Hall dove at him, almost as like, you know, you don't touch my buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, that that little piece was probably off the cuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there. And again, if you look at this match. Uh, like Scott Hall, uh, he never, anybody who took the razor's edge never got out of it. Here's a protected finish once again. And twice in that match, I noticed that Hall went for the razor's edge and it never happened. So, uh, Rody pulled Jeff Jarrett out, mm-hmm. um, on the first one through the ropes. And when uh, razor was about to give it to him again, Rody came in and, uh, cranked Scott's knee. And that's another thing I think doesn't happen enough today. Like, they sold it right from beginning to end. If you cranked yep. my knee, I was selling it right to the end. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, and they didn't like even at the end of the match. Scott's still limping, mm-hmm. right? So, yep. uh, I I just think his magic. You know, it, I don't think it's pointed out enough how magical. And it's sad that we're finding out more and looking more into it now that Hall was that good. Yep. I agree. Like, yeah, he, he was just, um, and again, I I hate saying it, not that he was big and only a three-move guy, because he, he sure as hell had a lot more uh, in his repertoire, but as a big man, yeah, he was a brawler. He's a street bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he, he threw a lot of punches, but he had a lot of moves. He did. I mean, he, his, yeah. his sack of shit was impressive that he didn't, uh, yeah. he, he tossed uh, Jared over like nothing. Um, you yeah. know, he's now nah, he, he had a lot. He just he had to play the character he was playing. But I mean, Scott Hall was was uber talented, uber talented, and smooth. He, uh, that's all I ever say. He's smooth in his selling. That's something that's not appreciated as much for him. Is his selling's amazing. Uh, you, yeah. if you can forget that, like, there's nothing worse than when you see a big dude. <laughs> on the mat just looks like the looks like a whale on its back or something like that right lost but you know he he, it's almost like he shrunk when he sold which was really impressive i don't think today's wrestlers if i and again i was in that match watching so double j wasn't that he was maybe a six one character i would think he's a six foot six foot one i don't think he's much more than that yeah and those guys back in the day, to me, again, they trained. They were bigger mm-hmm. guys. Double J's probably in the 250 range for sure mm-hmm. uh, at that point in time. But when you see these guys jump and a guy like Scott Hall catches you like you're a baseball, yeah, you know, and 
and, and puts you, you know, into the fallaway slam like you're nothing. That just shows you the strength on these guys. You don't see any of that. There was much of that today where a guy will jump and a guy catches him right in his arms. You see a few guys uh, do it, yeah. but not as much. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I know think- it's relevant. If you're 150, you, you want to catch maybe, a, you know, a, a, you know, 125-pound Adam Cole. That sounds fair. <laughs> You know, I, again, why would he be in the women's match? <laughs> I'm going to add a little bell on where every time Cole's name comes up, they'll be like, ding. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to add a bell, it better be a tinker bell. <laughs> Jay will appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, because he's tiny. So, uh... <laughs> um, yeah. The only other thing I was going to mention about that match, I know we're going long on this one, but it's worth it. But, um, I don't know if you picked up on it, but there was a few different heel tactics from the kid, from One Two Three Kid, and knowing what happened afterwards, where he ends up joining the Million Dollar Corporation, it's almost like they were dropping little hints to maybe the kid wasn't as uh, wholesome as we once thought he was. Right? <laughs> He's not a wholesome kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really notice that. I tried not to pay attention to the pajama wonder. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll move on to the last match we're going to talk about, and I'll let you take lead on this one. This is, of course, the main event of WrestleMania. It's Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. And maybe just to put it in perspective a little bit, because for anybody who wasn't around at the time, or especially wasn't around in the 80s and to understand how big a deal Lawrence Taylor was in the football world in the 80s, he was the baddest man in the National yeah. Football League at one point. He's the guy that broke Joe Theismann's leg. He's the guy that set sack records. I mean, he was just a beast. He's a wild animal. And so for him to come on to the stage with the WWF, uh, it was a big coup for them at that time. And it was kind of out of nowhere. You weren't expecting this. And then he brings along, uh, you know, all pro football players along with them. So it, this was a real big, it was the first big crossover it felt like since, you know, maybe even mania one. Yeah, I, I could, I could te- definitely agree with that. Uh, maybe that's why it became the main event for mm-hmm. everything you just said about him. Uh, you know, you take your, uh, your diesel and your Michaels and you go, well, you know what? We're landing Lawrence Taylor here, man. He is the baddest man on the planet at the point mm-hmm. in the sporting world. In the sporting anyway. world, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe that was their their thought process behind it is let's put a main event and uh, push him. But I think this is why I want to mention the Lawrence Taylor thing. You know, again, this is what a celebrity should be. He took a shit kicking. Yep. Like. He took the shit kicking. His basic moves were a couple of forearms. Um, and his own finish, he went to the second rope mm-hmm. and, and took down Bam Bam and it was, I guess it was a flying forearm, really, and, and covered him for the pin and Bam Bam did the job for him. But Bam Bam just carries the entire match and Taylor just has to take the bump. Mm-hmm. And they weren't perfect bumps. And that's what I don't like about today's celebrities getting into the ring, is that too many of them have perfect bumps, and they shouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Lawrence Taylor shouldn't be taking fantastic bumps. Lawrence Taylor should be taking bumps like like the normal human would get into the ring and fall like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what Lawrence Taylor 
that's why I wanted to talk about this one as much as it was more believable. It wasn't Bad Bunny coming off the top rope and flying into the guys, you know, on the flying body block, going off the top rope and on the outside of the ring. There's no way a guy like Lawrence Taylor, well, A, probably would have done that, or he should have not done that because he's not a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where I went back to Johnny Knoxville. I accept Johnny Knoxville more doing it because he is a nut, right? He, he would be willing to try that. A guy like that would be willing to try that. Not a rapper with, you know, <laughs> who's got three elastics in his head. That, that's not, you know, that's not a wrestler. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't know how to wrestle, right? Mm-hmm. He's a rapper. And, and that's why I get angry with today's celebrities. And we, we mentioned Paul was an anomaly who uh, who actually did a... I think he should get signed to a contract, to be honest. I and, do uh, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do really well. And even McAfee shouldn't technically win anything because you're an announcer, right? Mm-hmm. But I just think Lawrence Taylor, he went over, Bam Bam put him over as he should. And Lawrence Taylor was... I would believe Lawrence Taylor's forearm could knock somebody out over Bad Bunny. Well, just to put it in perspective, you could tell by in the ring there, Lawrence Taylor, uh, six foot three, about two forty-five. You know, so yeah. we're not talking like Bad Bunny was what five four, one forty, or something like that. Yeah. And he's yeah. and he's pretty much the only guy he isn't hitting is Brock Lesnar, uh, but everybody else is selling for him. But you could believe a former NFL defensive back who's you know. A badass, yeah, he's going to do some damage in that ring. He threw a forearm like a guy who's never wrestled before threw a forearm. It still looked like it was stiff. It still looked like it was snug, but it wasn't. It wasn't Scott Hall's punch because he's not. He's not a wrestler. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is, I'll say this: LT did better than I expected, um, but he was. I he didn't know how to sell when standing. He just kind of was leaning against Bam Bam and that kind of thing. Part of it was he was so gassed. It was unbelievable. But he actually did a decent job of selling on the mat. He had the facials. He was, um, you know, moving while Bam Bam was was putting the punishment on him. It it, it looked like he was struggling to get up, that kind of thing. So I I was happy with that. It was just more so when he was standing, he just seemed a little bit lost at that point. To be expected. I think maybe they could have hid this a bit more in, say, a tag team match. Maybe he was partners with somebody, like, you know, I don't know, maybe he could have been partners with Razor or something like that against Bam Bam and another guy. But um, but overall, uh, I mean, again, I am I guess I'm a traditionalist. I would have liked to see Sean and Diesel be the main event. I think this would have been a nice way to lead to the main event because it, it was a feel-good moment. It was, you know, LT getting the win over Bam Bam and, and uh, you got the celebrity going. But I still would have put Sean Diesel there. But I understand why they did, especially when you mentioned about you know, the celebrity crossover and stuff like that. And, I mean, it did get media attention for them, for sure. Yeah. And, and again, that's probably, maybe that's why there were so many photographers in the reality. You know, not necessarily for the uh, for the WrestleMania, but for the Lawrence Taylor thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, Sports Illustrated, all those, they had it all. Yeah. Uh, and even then, you know, it's funny, we talked about uh, photographers, uh, you know, getting in the way or whatever. I'm pretty sure in the Undertaker match. Now that you, now I'm starting to think. I'm pretty sure when Kama runs out to come get the urn, he does. He takes a veer mm-hmm. away from the photographers. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but um, I do remember someone running out and then slowing down and taking a 
uh, exit stage right because there were too many photographers, and I think that was Kama. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. he's had he's had some bad luck with his WrestleMania run. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And again, you and I both loved him as Papa Shango. Yeah, for sure. Right, mm-hmm. and I absolutely still love The Godfather. Yes. And uh, you know who wish again? We're sort of off topic of mania. I think we're done with mania. Uh, our mania memories here, but uh, <laughs> the the boogeyman. I wish boogeyman would have done more. <laughs> I, I I could give or take, but boogeyman, I got him. But and, and I mean, I respected it. He was jacked and scary, but um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like his voodoo stuff could have done more. Like yeah. I think they could have done more. They could have. Can you imagine if he was with Papa Shango? Yeah, that would have been a good combination. You know, that would have been a good combination. Here's an interesting story. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he actually wanted to do more than worms. I don't know if you knew this. No. But he actually proposed uh, like crickets, cockroaches. Uh, um, all kinds of weird stuff that he would do. Like he wanted to bring it out with all. And the only reason they did not was that the facilities, the arenas, said no. Can you imagine if one of the cockroaches, uh, you know, got through yeah. and into the cracks, right? They, they, uh, they where was... the worms was just no big deal. But yeah, so they kiboshed it because the facilities were concerned that the the roaches or the crickets or whatever he decided to do and he was it was roaches because that's super gross obviously mm-hmm. not that worms aren't but uh yeah so that he just did the worms but he I, <laughs> can you imagine how creepy and and fearful people would have been of him coming out with cockroaches coming out of his mouth yeah that would have been wrong <laughs> yeah it's so. so gross yeah, yeah but uh, it would have given him the creepy voodoo effect too but the worms yeah. worked for him you know that's fine yeah for sure I, I will say one last note I wanted to point out because you, you brought her up, Ref Aubrey, something that um, I forgot about. This is at the, the, when this happened, this is at the time of the Major League Baseball strike. So one of the referees was actually um, a Major League Baseball umpire, Larry Young. He was a referee oh, for one of the matches. Yeah. He did I great. Think he was the, uh, the uh, Undertaker match. He was. He was. And he did a yeah. great job. He stayed out of the way. He didn't become part of the action. He didn't notice him there. He was in the right spots when you need to be. There was only one time that he was, he um, got in between the boys on the hard camera side when Bundy had uh, when had Taker down in a in a chin lock. But I think you could even see Bundy just might have mentioned something to him and he moved out of the way pretty quickly. But um, yeah. but other than that, there you go. And a guy who hadn't done it before, third man in the ring, didn't take away from it and did a good job. Actually, he was a big fella, too. He, wasn't, he was. Uh, like, back in the day, those umpires were a little uh, portly. But he was <laughs> He was actually, if I recall, he that guy was in pretty good shape. Like, he, he actually looked like, you know, he could tangle with somebody, right? Yeah, he looked uh, like he could get in between them, for sure. Yeah, he, he was definitely, yeah, he, you're right, he did a very good job. I forgot, yeah. again, I forgot that he was in there because right. he, he wasn't the focus. Right, yeah, and that's, again, that's my biggest argument with, with her is, is, I don't need the referee to be the focus. No, hmm. no, no, no. The Hamsters were an anomaly too with their time. They were a little bit silly and yes. And uh, Baby Nate uh, had his own little personality, but they never really took away from the match. Hebner was basically, to me, I remember Hebner on the count. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. More than anything, whereas yeah, the the, the other 
uh, that Aubrey, you just notice her all the time. Exactly. Like, she's never out of camera. That's, That's what right. bothers me, maybe. Yep, uh, I agree, I agree. But yeah, I just yeah. Wanted, I wanted to give him props because uh, he did a great job in there for somebody who was first time, I think, doing it for them. But yeah, yeah, great stuff. But yeah, that, that wraps her up on uh, on um, WrestleMania 11. I mean, this was an extended version of Mania Memories because we're putting this out as an actual regular episode uh, for our for our podcast, so people can get a taste of what we like to talk about on these. But um, yeah. overall thoughts on it: thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. What were your thoughts on WrestleMania 11? If you, if you take away the I Quit match and especially the I Quit match, if you take that away, and again, maybe if you take away the Yokozuna match, because uh, I never found him necessarily exciting, so to speak, I think uh, you're okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely would give it a thumbs up. As long, if you take the four matches that we originally wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and stay with those, the, the Razor Ramon, the Blues, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and... Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, you're going to have a thumbs up. If you just take away Shawn Michaels, uh, or if you want to watch one match, to me it's Shawn Michaels uh, Diesel. Yep, I agree. Yeah, for me, it. Uh, I think of it as over the years, I thought of this as being a really piss poor WrestleMania, and, and after watching the whole thing again, I enjoyed it. Like it wasn't the yeah. greatest WrestleMania, but it wasn't the worst. Um, again, we'll take the the Brett and Backlund match out there. We'll take the the Taker Bundy match out, but the, those other matches they were good. And 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 Sean just watching Sean what he did in that match was fantastic. Um, so yeah. I'd say it's thumb just over the middle, but um, I'd say it's changed my opinion of this WrestleMania. It was actually better than I thought. And and you touched on it too. The celebrity interaction was good in this one too. Yeah, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't annoying. It wasn't. It didn't <laughs> interfere. It, it was it was good. I even just, and, and you know what, if you want to watch comedy at its finest, uh, just for fun, uh, watch Bob Backlund and Jonathan Taylor Thomas playing <laughs> yes. chess. I got a kick out of that one. Uh, that was that was well done. That was perfect. And and he was good. Jonathan don't, Taylor don't Thomas was great. It. Don't, don't spoil no, it. Just, no. Yeah. It, it was great. They they That's, again, perfect use of, of a celebrity. And, and of all things, yeah. it was a kid, and he did great. And Backlund, yeah. Backlund was fantastic too on that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Take us out of here. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much for this edition of Mania Memories. We're going to ask people to to slide on over to our YouTube channel, check out some of the other episodes that we have on there. As I've said, we've done WrestleMania Seven, WrestleMania Eight, and WrestleMania Eighteen condensed versions. We only focus on a couple of matches in each of them, but I think you'll enjoy them. We don't always pick the one that you think it's going to be picked, but head on over. Give them a watch, give them a thumbs up, and make sure you subscribe to our channel over there so that you can make sure you hear uh, and, and see some of the great material that we have going on. Other than that, thanks a lot, Machine. I appreciate you co- uh, joining me once again for this this trip down memory lane, as I'll call it, because <laughs> I really enjoy the opportunity to go back and watch this old stuff. So I, I thank you that you have uh, the same taste as me when it comes to this. <laughs> Yeah, it's tons of fun, man. I, I love going back. For sure. And uh, anybody wants to get in contact with us, head on over to our social media. You get us at, at WWTTPod. Ask us some questions. Bring up some more topics. If you'd like to hear a different mania that we want to, that you want to see us do, make sure you let us know. But for the NWO machine, I am BC Hunter saying we are out of here.